Wow. It has truly been such an honor to come and submit to your pastor and this church body and um, just receive such genuine, authentic love um, for my life and to be known by them in such a deep way and by all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Will you please open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5. And let's begin with the reading of God's Word. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can we pray? Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you that we are not people who have to stumble around in darkness, but that we are children of the light, whose hearts are given the truth. When the world brings so many mixed messages, when the lie of the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, that you give us hope and truth and that we may rest completely satisfied believing you. We believe you in this time. We offer our heart before you. Have your way with us, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So last night we talked about why dream. I asked you to go home and really sit on your pillow and put your head down and really ask yourself the question, why dream in the first place? Why get up in the first place? Why take another breath? Why believe God? Why put everything in Jesus when there are so many other things out there that are being preached and spoken? Little G gods all over the place. Why Jesus? Why is he the only way? Why? And that, to me, is the beginning of everything for us. I really believe that. I really believe you're not going to know yourself until you recognize this place. And I've just come to know that. I'm going to unpack a little bit about my story, but I just want you to know that this is something I'm walking and breathing and living with you. And it's something I gladly say to you. I have not arrived there. There is so much more climb left for me. And heaven forbid we ever come to a place where we believe we have arrived. There is so much more. See, that's the great thing that you and I can meet on is we may not be the same age and we may not be in the same season of life, but every single time I get the opportunity and the honor to speak, 
with other broken people like myself, the beautiful, gracious thing that God does is that there is more for us and we can bond there. And he weaves us together despite where I live and where you live and what we've been through and what we haven't been through and all those things. And he weaves us together in this beautiful collision that there is more for you. And so that for me, you have to start with the why I do what I do. And so that's where we sat last night. Well, now I want to go into this what and how. So please get your notes ready. Get your Bibles open and get your pen ready. Go to town on this. I don't know about you, but I am fragmented in my mind all the time. I'm a post-it note kind of girl, and I've got to write it down if I'm going to remember it. My children have killed all my brain cells. (laughs) And so don't mess around with me. Because I know, you're not going to remember this. So write it down, it is good, and it is God's word. And so let's talk about the what is the dream. What is the dream? Why we dream, what is the dream? This is a tough one, guys. The what the dream is that we are dreaming is really difficult to land on because the world doesn't give us the answer. The world builds this false dream for us and gives us every reason that we should pursue that dream. And so for us to land on what is the dream we should build, and and listen, I'm speaking as a believer here. I I am assuming that the majority of you in here have staked and anchored your claim in Jesus Christ, okay? And so I am saying as a Christian, as a believer, if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what are you to dream? This would be a different message if I were talking to lost people, but as a believer, what are we to dream and how does it look different than my neighbor who doesn't know the Lord? Or even from the person sitting next to me in church, may we not believe that just become because we come to church that our salvation is sure. Sometimes religion and church can be the one thing that distracts us from the actual authenticity of our salvation. And so I say I, I, over and over, if you question that in any way where you go when you die, there should be no question. And if you are lingering in a place of doubt and fear there, then we need to have a talk about your salvation because it has nothing to do with where you show up at Sunday morning. And so I want you to understand very clearly what I think the dream is, and and I've combed God's word, and there is so much, and it would be so difficult. I mean, I could spend hours talking about God's word and how it weaves together in Jesus and redemption in every piece. As you can tell, I am very excited about the word of God. But I, I, I landed in Matthew 5. I landed on the words of Jesus as the dream. And what we sometimes hear is the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, we'll hear it referred to that way, but I soak in every detail behind this place that Jesus really begins his public ministry on. I think we should pay special attention. I think we should pay special attention to this place, that these are the words that Jesus offers. And, and we, we, oftentimes we picture Jesus saying this like I'm speaking maybe to you right now up on a platform and there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people around. It's not the case. There are crowds, and I believe there are crowds in the background, and maybe they can hear him or overhear him. But when he teaches these words, it is a small group of people. It's his disciples. It says that he takes them and he 
goes up on the mountain and he speaks to his disciples. I love the intimacy that Jesus has. It's not about flashing lights and all of these things and cool slideshows, and I'm all about it. I love it. We are a visual world, and I love it, and it's attractive to lost people. But the truth is that Jesus was a very intimate soul, and he wasn't worried about the masses because he knew that when he brought the word of God that there would be a hunger and a thirst that was hardwired into the DNA of humanity to crave. And so he didn't have to worry about how many people came and how many didn't because he knew that when he spoke the word of God that there would be something that would trigger within the mind and the heart of a created being by the creator that they would come after it. Did you know that? Did you know that whether you stake your claim in Jesus or not, you crave Jesus? You are built and hardwired to know him. And that is why lost people are so unhappy. Because they are chasing something that they are wired to know. It is so good. So Jesus is intimate and he speaks this truth to his disciples knowing that it is the word of God and that the people would come because they would resonate it in their heart and they would hunger for it. I I don't have time to go through all of the Matthew 5, but I want you to. I want you to in your own personal time to look at Matthew 5, and I want you to really read it. And I just want you to take one blessed are, blessed are, and I just want you to wrestle with one at a time, one at a time over this week. That would be a great homework assignment. It's just every day this week to take one and really sit on it and ask yourself, am I this? How is this displayed in my life? And is this my dream? So let me give you the dream, and it is really just the package of what Matthew 5 is. It's just the best that I could do in my just sinful human, uh, uh, small concept of God brain that I could do to give you this, so grace please. And so the dream, here's your definition of the dream, is the promise of a now and future kingdom and an invitation to take part in it. So what are we to dream? Living what? What are we living the dream? I, I asked you why last night, but now I'm saying what behind the why? What is it? And based on Matthew 5, and if this is who Jesus is telling us to be, and this is the truth of his word, then it is an invitation for you to take part, not only in something that is to come, but something that is. And this is the dream. And yes, it looks different than what the world shows us, and it looks different than maybe even the concept that we as a believer have hardwired together inside of our minds. Maybe we need to back up and back off the thing that we think we know and step back and say, God, show me. God, show me, not based on years and years of listening to to teachers and preachers, and I'm not discrediting that at all. Our faith is ignited through the speaking of God's word. But to just for yourself personally step back and say, am I just believing something because it's told me to? One of the first things I tell when I'm teaching is, hey, don't take my word for it. Why would you take my word for it? I am a sinful, broken person living on grace and taking another breath and mercy just like you are. 
You need to go to God's word and find it out for yourself. Find it out for yourself. Don't just write on pastor's word. He doesn't want you to. He wants you to go to the word and believe it and take hold of it. And so you must go and believe it. And I do believe that this is something that we are being offered in. Here's why. If you look at the package of Matthew 5, you see something going on here that's really cool. You basically see uh, this future sandwiched in between the present. So let's look at it very quickly because we've got blessed in the poor spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then if you go on down, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, these are the two that are referenced out of the eight that is the. It is. It is present tense. So these are the is, and this is the, the bread on the sandwich, okay? This is future, I mean, excuse me, present where you are. In the middle, in the middle it says, they shall be, they shall be, they shall be six times. And it is the future. So we're looking at two things working together. This is very important that you understand and that you grasp that you are, yes, living for the kingdom, future, eternity with Jesus forever, that this planet Earth, I mean, just a nothing, just a breath. Planet Earth, just a breath. If you were to paint a canvas and you were to go home and you had this big canvas and you were to paint a mountainscape on it, let's say, that your life on planet Earth would be just a millimeter of a brush stroke on that canvas. And that God is the only one who can view the entire painting. And so we've got to understand that, yes, we are living for something more, but we are also living in the kingdom of God now. We have something to live for now. We have something to dream for now. Because you're here. I mean, we, have, we make God so complex, and we, we read all these self-help books, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> Die to the self-help book and the self-help TV shows, because when you look inside yourself, you will find sin. Why do we want help with ourselves? Do we not point to ourselves enough in this culture? Might we one moment step outside of ourselves and look to Jesus and let him give us who we are, our identity? Might we? And that is what I, I encourage you to, to see. Guys, to step out and to see who you truly are in Jesus is to live the kingdom. I've got this uh, friend who has this terrifyingly horrible gerbil in her house. <laughs> I want nothing to do that even begins to look like a rodent. Sorry. Whew. And her daughter, she's one of my dear friends, and I mean, I'll barely go over to her house, y'all. Because let me tell you, she let the, the gerbil can run free in the house. I know. I'm like, you are a pastor's wife. You've got to get it together. <laughs> so she's got this, this gerbil named Squirrely Bunny. And Squirrely Bunny has a cage. It has a cage in the laundry room, and you don't see it when you walk in. 
but the, the, the door to the cage is always open. So Squirrely Bunny has the freedom to run. Squirrely Bunny can leave the cage anytime he wants to and have full reign of the house. There's crumbs on the floor, there's kids playing. I mean, he could go and burrow in clothes. I mean, there's tons of stuff to do outside of this little bitty cage with the door open. But the truth of the matter is, where does Squirrely Bunny always stay? In his cage. He always stays in his cage, even though the door is open. And I sat there the other day, and I was kind of backing up, just ready for this thing to come at me. And as time passed, he just sat there, and he sat there, and he sat there, and you can even put food outside the cage, and Squirtle Bunny will just sit there in his cage. He's completely content inside of his cage. Guys, I do believe, as silly as that is, that that can be a picture of how we live our life as Christians. When we believe on Jesus Christ and we receive that freedom and the kingdom to work and live inside of us, Jesus opens the door. He opens the cage that has been around our heart. He tears the veil from the, from the blindness and the coldness and the numbness that has been covering our heart of things in the spiritual world that we can't, can't see. That's why I don't get... I don't get impatient with lost people. I have compassion on them because they cannot see the things of God. They are blind to it. And so when we believe on Jesus Christ and we see this place of the kingdom and this is the dream for us and it's what we live for and breathe for, it is as if he opens the cage. But here's the problem. Sometimes, most of the time, the women that I meet over and over, the woman that I was for so much of my Christian life, we just sit in the cage. We sit in the cage. So you can be offered freedom and never live it. And my heart is that you see that, that you see in your life the the places and the areas that you are just sitting inside the cage when you have been offered freedom. And I submit to you that perhaps, perhaps, that this freedom, that this kingdom, that this what we see here, that Jesus says for us in, in Matthew 5, it's not that our passions are too strong, but that our passions are too weak. See, we're always looking for passionate people. And the truth is, the world really doesn't need any more passionate people. The world needs deep people. Deep people whose passion comes from this place of depth, that are willing to be vulnerable and peel back the layers of their heart and their soul and let people into that, that are willing to say, I have not arrived. They're willing to say, there are things in my life that I need to change. There are lies that I am believing about someone else and about myself, and I need to surrender those to the Lord. Do you see? We need people who don't just sit in the cage once the door has been open, but walks out outside of condemnation, outside of shame, in forgiveness and grace and love. And I think this is the dream. And I look at what Jesus says, and I look at words like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, mercy, pure in heart, peacemakers. And I look at that and I go, Jesus, 
This is so hard. Here's the thing, guys. That seems so simple to us, but that is the hardest thing we can do. 